Well, good morning. You should have an orange sheet in your bulletin if you'll go ahead and get that. That's the outline for today's message. <clears throat> I want to begin by asking a question. What is your greatest ability? Now, if we took the time to go around the room, <clears throat> we would get a lot of different responses. Some of you would say mechanics or math or sewing or cooking. A few of you would say channel surfing. Well, the greatest ability that is needed is responsibility. That's one of the greatest gifts that God has given us. One thing that makes us human and places us above the animal world is our ability to choose how we are going to respond to life. And because you have the ability to choose how you're going to respond, you are responsible. And that's what the word responsibility originally meant. This is what I am choosing to do or not to do. This is how I am choosing to respond. <clears throat> Louis Brandis was a Supreme Court justice from 1916 to 1939. Some, many, legal scholars believe he was one of the better Supreme Court justices because of his rulings in the area of privacy and personal rights. He said, responsibility is the great developer. Winston Churchill called it the price of greatness. So here is a key thought. If you want to do something great with your life, you are going to have to learn to become a responsible person. Now we are in a series on values that build success, and we are going to start with personal responsibility because you cannot build any values in your life until you learn to accept responsibility for your choices. Now, as you know, there has been a dramatic decline in the acceptance of personal responsibility in our society. Nobody wants to be responsible for anything anymore. Nobody wants to accept responsibility for things. And so we accuse others and we excuse ourselves. So what has happened? What has contributed to the decline of personal responsibility? Well, there are three mentalities that are prevalent in our society that go against personal responsibility. Number one is the rights mentality. I have my rights and that's all that matters. That's the only thing that I care about. I have my rights. And so, we have criminal rights. We have animals' rights. We have civil rights. We have children's rights. We have victims' rights. We have abortion rights. We have housing rights. We have privacy rights. We have patient rights. We even have the Bill of Rights. And in at least one state, Oregon, the right to die. So everybody has their personal rights. I have my rights. Number two, 
There is the victim mentality. This is interesting. None of my problems are my fault. Did you know that? And none of your problems are really your fault. They're, they're the government's fault. They're your parents' fault. They're your children's fault. They're somebody's fault, but they are not your fault. And so we have become a nation of victims. We're all victims about something. Now, here are some real life examples. I did not make these up. You couldn't make these up even if you tried. An FBI agent embezzles $2,000 from the government and then loses it all in an afternoon of gambling in Atlantic City. He's fired, but he wins reinstatement after a court rules that his affinity for gambling with other people's money is a handicap and thus as a handicap protected under federal law. Here's another one. Fired for consistently showing up late at work. A former school district employee sues his former employers, arguing that he is a victim of what his lawyer calls chronic lateness syndrome. Unfortunately, we have some members at Port City who are suffering from that terrible, terrible, tragic disease. In Framington, Massachusetts, a young man steals a car from a parking lot and is killed while driving it. The family of the dead boy sues the owner of the parking lot for failing to take steps to prevent such thefts. So we are a nation of victims. There is the victim mentality. And then the third mentality that goes against personal responsibility is the entitlement mentality. I deserve it. The world owes me a living. Somebody owes me a living because I'm here, so you all take care of me. Now, in stark contrast to these mentalities stands the Bible. So take a look at Ephesians 5.15, the J.B. Phillips translation. It says, live life with a sense of responsibility, not as those who don't know the meaning of life, but as those who do. So would you circle sense of responsibility? Notice the reason. You are to live life with a sense of responsibility because you know the meaning of life. People who don't know why they're here don't have any motivation at all to live a responsible life. Now let's take a look at three biblical reasons God wants us to live responsibly. Number one is because God is watching my life. God is watching my life. That's the first reason we need to live responsible lives. It says this in Hebrews 4.13, Nothing in all the world can be hidden from God. Everything is clear and lies open before Him, and to Him we must explain the way we have lived. God sees everything that's going on. And He is going to one day judge us based on what we did with what He gave us. So life is a test of responsibility. 
what you do with your life and the decisions that you make are going to influence where you spend eternity. In Romans 14.12, it says, each of us will have to give a personal account to God. That means nobody is going to do it for you. You are personally responsible for your choices and for your, for your actions. Now, Daniel Webster said this, not Noah Webster, the guy with Webster's Dictionary. This was Daniel Webster, a United States politician. The most important idea I ever thought was the day I realized that I am personally and individually accountable to God for how I lived. So you may be able to fool everyone in this room. You may be able to fool your wife, fool your husband, fool your children, fool your employer, fool the people you work with, but you can't fool God. The Bible says that He sees everything going on in your life. And that motivation alone, if we believe that, then that knowledge alone ought to cause us to live responsible lives. Right? So we really don't need the rest of the message. We could end here and it would be good. But I knew I would have extra time, so I've added some in. But we could stop here if we had to. We could stop here. Second one. Because other people are affected by my life. You and I need to live responsibly because other people are affected by my life. None of us live alone unto ourselves. We are all interdependent. Now what that means is we are not totally independent of each other, nor are we totally dependent on each other, but we are interdependent. So Paul understood that, and so he said in 1 Corinthians 10.24, people should be concerned about others and not just about themselves. That's almost anti-American. That, that goes against the flow of our culture, which says, I have my rights and, and I'm entitled and I can do my, my own thing. Do you ever get on the internet, you go to a website for something, and then like ten minutes later you're like a thousand miles away just chasing stuff? Well, I was on eBay, and I just, you know, you just start clicking around on things. And I ended up in the historical or historic memorabilia, just things you can buy, you know, 40, 50 years old. These are like from the hippie era, okay? And so I came like this poster, some kind of a board or something, but it, you can buy it. And this is what it says on it. <clears throat> I was not put on this planet to live up to your expectations. And you were not put on this planet to live up to my expectations. So let me do my thing and you do your thing. And if perchance we happen to meet, that's groovy. I don't know. I don't know if Gene, did you put that on eBay or, or a bill or, uh, some of you, you know, you've given up the hippie posters. We know you're all were long hairs back then. And so, you know, we laugh at it and it is funny because we don't use groovy. Like you can do that, say that now, the cops will come and get you and lock you up in jail for being stupid, you know? I mean, we don't use that kind of language today, but 
the attitude is still very prevalent in our society. I'll do my thing, you do your thing, and if our paths happen to cross, well, all right. Well, Billy Joel, he sings this song called My Life. And it is, he's been singing it like forever. It's been around since 1978. And I'm going to sing a couple of lines. Now, I don't want you to be focusing on my voice. I want you to be thinking about the words to the song. This is Billy Joel. I don't need you to worry for me because I'm all right. I don't want you to tell me it's time to come home. I don't care what you say anymore. This is my life. Go ahead with your own life and leave me alone. One reason it's still popular today, of course, is, of course, if I was singing it, it'd get unpopular pretty quick. But one reason it's so popular is it not only has a good tune, but that's really the message and the attitude of our society. I don't care what you say anymore. This is my life. Go ahead with your own life and leave me alone. Sammy Davis Jr. said, I've just got to be me. And Elvis and Frank Sinatra sang their version of it. Then I did it my way. The basic idea is this. I can do what I want, and if it doesn't hurt anybody, what does it matter? Well, here's the problem. Every decision you make affects somebody else, even the secret ones. And you may not immediately see the visible results, but somebody is influenced by it. And that's why suicide is one of the most self-centered crimes because it leaves other people to deal with the damage. The Bible says that we affect other people by our lives. Now, it's interesting that when we are irresponsible, the two most common excuses we have, we come up with are, number one, nobody will know about it, and number two, nobody's going to be hurt, but somebody is always affected by what you do, either directly or indirectly. Okay, number three. I need to be responsible because God rewards it. God is going to reward our efforts to be responsible people. God rewards responsibility. This is Deuteronomy 28.2. All these blessings will come upon you and accompany you if you obey the Lord your God. I'd like for you to circle the word all. I believe the principle of the passage applies to us today. God wants to bless every area of your life when you use your time, your money, and your relationships in a responsible way. So how can I become a more responsible person? How can I develop the value of responsibility? Well, there is an entire book in the Bible, a whole book, on how to be responsible and live responsibly. It's called Proverbs. And I I guess it's a coincidence 
that it happens to have 31 chapters, which means you can read a chapter a day and get through the book in one month. So I have a challenge for you. Read the book of Proverbs through once a month for six months, each time in a different version. And if you can get the good news version, sometimes called the today's English version, uh, it is amazing. Tell me if you would be interested in any of these subjects covered by the book. How to build strong relationships, how to handle wealth, how to build a business, how to save your marriage, how to get along with other people, how to raise children, what to do when you fail, what to do when you succeed. It is an amazing storehouse of God's wisdom. Now what is interesting, in our culture, we tend to idolize irresponsible people and turn them into celebrities and say, oh, aren't they cute? And they, they are the ones who get on the, on the covers of magazines. They get all the glory. They get to walk down the red carpet. You know the red carpet? They're walking in. They're like, Woo! I wish I could be him or her. Well, God, He has a different word for irresponsible people in Proverbs. Fools. That's what He calls them. The word is used 62 times according to my count, and we don't have time, unless you all want to hang out till 2.30. We don't have time to cover all 62, but I'm going to give you four, get you started, and then your homework is going to be to find the other 58. Number one, we can be responsible by, some of these points could hurt, by the way, saving my money. I'm just looking to see what kind of reaction I'm getting from y'all. Obviously, if you don't have a job, you can't save money. We're in an economy that's not as good as it has been in the past. So there are a lot of reasons and, and legitimate reasons for not being able to save money. But let me tell you, at the foundation is this I have to have it now mentality. Don't worry about tomorrow. Live for today. And because of that mentality, there are a lot of Americans who are spending more money than they make. Listen, only the United States government of America, United States government of America, that's right, only they can do it and get away with it. It's called deficit spending. And unlike the government, the overwhelming majority of you do not have a machine in your garage that prints money. If you do, you're headed for trouble. But before you destroy it, maybe call me over. I'd just like to look at it. And and then maybe we could kind of make an afternoon and maybe destroy it together or something. I read this statistic, and I wasn't able to reconfirm this, but it said that the average American spends six hours a week shopping. I know that's low for some. Way, way low. Because we have that new cliche, when the going gets tough, that tough go shopping. That's right. So Proverbs 21.20 says, The wise man saves for the future, 
But the foolish man spends whatever he gets. Number one cause of divorce in America, according to the statistics, it is not adultery, nor is it spousal abuse. Money. It's debt. So, I now have a new vow when I do weddings. I've added a new line to the wedding vows. So I'll say, do you take so-and-so to be your lawfully wedded husband? Do you take so-and-so to be your lawfully wedded wife? And then I ask, till debt do you part. This is Ecclesiastes 7.4. I like this. This is the new living. The fool thinks only about having a good time now. So God is testing your responsibility. He's going to ask you one day, were you responsible with what I entrusted into your care? So one way we can be responsible is by saving money. Number two is by controlling my reaction. I can be a responsible person by learning to control my reactions. Now, you can't control a lot of what happens to you, but you can choose how you're going to respond to it. Proverbs 29.11 A fool expresses all his emotions, but a wise person controls them. Now, let me put that in everyday language for you. God says you need to learn to put your mind in gear before you put your mouth in motion. You need to think before you speak. That's a part of living responsibly. And then Romans 12.21 says, don't let evil get the best of you. Don't let it get the best of you. But conquer evil by doing good. One way you show responsibility is by not trying to get even with everybody who has hurt you. When you try to get even with them, guess what? You are even with them. You are on their exact same level. You are no better than the person who did the wrong. But when you forgive them and let it go, it puts you in a superior moral position. Let God settle the score. He has a whole lot more resources available him to Him to do it with than you do. So how we react. How, how do you react to anger? We, we choose how we're going to react to anger. Most people react one of two ways. Number one, they become a skunk and stink the place all up. Or number two, they become a turtle and hide in the shell. The Bible says, respond like a Christian out of calmness and love. So we can be responsible by controlling how we react to different situations. And then number three, we can learn to be responsible by guarding my mind. By guarding my mind. You have to guard your mind because it controls everything your feelings, your actions, everything. Now, let me relieve you of a little bit of false guilt, okay? Now, now, some ministers believe that their job is to create guilt. I believe my job is to help you be relieved of guilt and find some ways to get rid of guilt. But let me just relieve you of a little false guilt. You are not responsible 
for every stray thought that comes into your mind. The devil does that. It's called temptation. It happened to Jesus. So you are not responsible for that. But you are responsible for the thoughts that you choose to hold on to and think about and and meditate on like jealousy and resentment and pride. So Proverbs 15, 14 says this, A wise person is hungry for truth while the fool feeds on trash. Don't say that you can watch trash in and out you know, all the time and it not affect you. Whatever you put into your mind is eventually going to come out in your behavior and your beliefs. And sometimes people say, well, I'm just trying to be open-minded about everything. Well, then maybe your mind needs to be closed for repairs for a while. Now, a lot of people have no desire to read the Word, study the Word, get principles out of the Bible because their mind is already filled to capacity with trash. Now, suppose I came over to your house. Tammy and I came over for Thanksgiving dinner. And we know we could call any member here, and without hesitation, if we invited ourselves over, called Jeff, said, can we come over? And you would immediately say yes. There would be absolutely no hesitation on your part. And so let's say you're serving dinner at 1. I'm at your table at 12.30, and I eat the entire pan of stuffing. And that could happen. I mean, that's not being unrealistic. I'm just being open and honest with you because we're talking about honesty today. And it, I could eat the entire pan. I mean, it really, really could happen. And so I'm stuffed with stuffing. Now it comes up to one o'clock and you've been working so hard and you have this beautiful turkey meat and, and all of the, the side dishes. But I don't want any. You know why? Because I'm already filled with stuff. Already got a bunch of stuff inside of me. And that happens with a lot of people spiritually. When it comes down to the principles and the purity of God's Word, it's really not something that they want because they're already stuffed with other things. So if we are going to live responsibly, then we need to guard our minds. That's why Jesus said the I. Remember in the Sermon on the Mount, he said the eye is the lamp of the body. And that's because just about everything we do, everything we, we, we think, pretty much is taken in through, through the eyes and it's processed in the mind. So Jesus is saying, guard your eye. Okay, and then number four, fourth way we can be responsible is by admitting my mistakes. By admitting my mistakes. This is Proverbs 28.13. A man who refuses to admit his mistakes can never be successful. But if he confesses and forsakes them, he gets another chance. God will give you another chance if you are open and honest and willing to admit your mistakes. Hosea 4.4 Don't point your finger at someone else and try to pass the blame. I'm doing this message for me as much as I'm doing it for you. When I get up here on Sunday, 
and say a few words to you. I don't want you to think that it's just like a, like a one-way thing. I mean, I'm speaking to myself also. There are many areas in my life where I am very irresponsible. And so it becomes my, my desire to be responsible and do what the Lord wants me to do. Although that doesn't always happen, happen. At least that's, that's my mindset. And I know that's yours too. This is Romans 3.23. It says, yes, all have sinned. All fall short of God's glorious ideal. Yet now. Aren't those two good words? Yet now. Yet now. Yet now. God declares us not guilty of offending Him if we trust in Jesus Christ who in His kindness freely takes away our sins. We've all made mistakes, but God does not want you going around with a heavy load of guilt on your shoulders about all of the irresponsibility in your life. God can take even the bad decisions that you have made and make something good come out of them. The guilt and the shame that you often feel is what keeps you locked in a lifestyle of irresponsibility. You're always feeling guilty and always feeling shameful about something, so you keep telling yourself, I'm bad and I'll always be bad, and so you keep making foolish decisions. What you need is a power beyond yourself. What you need is a Savior who can forgive you and empower you and help you break the cycle that you haven't been able to break on your own. And that's what Romans 3 is saying. Listen, we've all sinned. We all fall short of God's standard. No doubt about that. But, the text says, if you're putting your trust in Jesus, He is going to declare you not guilty. And if He's declared you not guilty, there's no reason for you to carry around a ton of guilt. So God wants us to build the value of responsibility in our lives. And when we do that, then we are going to be more of what God wants us to be. Now Calvin is going to lead us in an invitation hymn. And if you have a particular need, if you need us to pray for you on your behalf, if you need to be baptized, if we can assist you in some way, that's what we want to do. So if you have a need, please let us know while we stand and sing.